Hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. What's going on? Hi. Hi. Good to see ya. So glad you're here. It's Lindsay and Krista. Know my voice. Know her voice. Know, know our Get voice it right. forever. <laughs> we still be annoying voice. We still meet people who are like, they, they still call me Krista or they'll call you Lindsay. Or they're just like, it's like when my mom, no when idea. I was younger, she'd be like, Bryn, uh, whatever your name is. That, that was <laughs> that my was grandmother. That was the story of my life with my mom. She'd go, Pat, Matt, Cam, Lex, Lindsay. I'm like, whoa. Hey, yeah. hey, hey. <laughs> me. She'd say, uh, Whatever your name is. Let's go. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and there's only two of us. So it's yeah, actually kind of weird. I was going to say, mom. It's actually kind of sad. Take a beat. Learn take, the names. Take, take a beat. Learn the names. <laughs> it's something you got to do. We're glad to have you. We're excited about this one. Lee Harris yeah, truly. is such a, such a beauty. Yeah. He, he's the... We've watched a lot of his stuff either on YouTube with his energy updates every month on Gaia was where you first saw him. And he's just one of those energies that like I could literally wrap myself up in and just be be by myself and feel just like the warmth mm-hmm. of God and love and mm-hmm. <laughs> always he's just so kind. And yeah, there's really this neutrality about him that I'm like, ooh. Mm-hmm. And the powerful. decisiveness to which like for the words he uses is incredibly powerful. Yes. He's yes. very meticulous and I don't know if he knows it in his word choice. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that is, because that's spirituality too. Because if we think about it, spelling, when you're spelling, mm-hmm. you're essentially creating a spell. You know, that's yes. like hermetic philosophy. So when you're speaking, it's essentially like spell casting in a way and really putting out your intentions into the world. So the more spiritual you become, the more meticulous in your words you become. And that's yes. why a lot of gurus are like very quiet. Don't speak often, you know, just mm-hmm. to, to not. So I just was really, you know, impressed with that. And it really inspired me. And one of the topics that we talked about on the episode, which I'm excited to for you guys to dig into was around fear and really helping us to understand and shift fear in a way that reminds us that oftentimes fear precedes breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really experienced this this year. I think I experience it quite a bit, but that contraction before the expansion. So the real fear that comes in before you have a big breakthrough, before you put something out into the world, before you make a big leap in your career, before you jump into a relationship, before you fall in love, before you get married, before you do all these things, there's oftentimes this desire to contract your energy right before you really, really free fall into this beautiful expansion. Mm -hmm. And when we had camp this year, you know, if you guys are um, listeners, we had a really beautiful experience. We had this day festival that was called Camp Almost 30. And at it, we had a lot of our friends and a lot of really powerful healers and teachers in the space come and speak. And we had, you know way more people than we would ever imagine attend and even register. And it was like this big expansion for us to really do this really beautiful thing with some of the best in the biz, sharing all on topics that we really align with and that the new version of us in 2021 really aligns with. And it was scary. You know, Mm -hmm. I I had a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I want to contract. I feel like I want to stop. I want to just brace for the bigness that is to come. And really just watching myself sort of experience that in a way where it's, I've been asking for this expansion, but when it's here, am I ready to receive it? Am I ready to lean in? Am I ready to allow my energy to expand with my desire that I've been putting out in the universe? Mm. 
What do you do when like you feel that contraction and that fear? Get pissed off. Pissed. I start gossiping about everyone around me. <laughs> I start judging people for chasing their dreams. Um, no, I I think I've probably done different things in the past than and more of the freak out. But I think right now what I do is just really notice. And I think that's the goal with anything. Yeah. You know, you just really notice where I was like, oh, this is a very interesting thing that everything that I'm dreaming could potentially be coming true. There's that possibility in 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 the field that whatever I want in life could be potentially coming true. And I'm finding myself feeling nervous, feeling scared, feeling anxious, wondering if I can do it, wondering if I deserve it, wondering all these things. And so the noticing of that, I guess, was is what I do. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like anytime that I've felt fear, especially in the last year, it points to how much like my mind wants to control every moment yep. and like feel safe in every moment. And so, yeah, I've shifted definitely to being more of like a witness to that. And I think therapy helps. Sometimes I go into therapy and I'm bringing all of the, like a barrel of fears. And as I pick it apart, I'm like, whoa, this is just pointing to literally that next level of mm-hmm. my life. And um, it's been hard because I think it's easier for me to identify with the fears and kind of be in that rather than trust exactly what's happening. You know, it's it's harder for me to trust because I think that takes, to your point, noticing, slowing down, and not really becoming involved mm. in like the drama of a fear or the dynamics of what's happening in this fear state rather than just like, huh, what is this pointing to? So yeah, I think it's a really a really powerful emotion to have. And it's also just this marker, this like invitation to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. What is this really? Mm-hmm. I have this fear around like, I have this fear around like talking to my dad about something in particular. And I'm just like, what is this fear really? Mm-hmm. Like, why is this fear coming up? Is it because like this next chapter of my life is so expansive mm-hmm. and it might you know, and we'll talk about, you know, Lee's point about, you know, just kind of being specific with who is around him and who he engages with. And it's like, huh, like maybe in this next level of my life, it'll actually require some other people to like change and look mm-hmm. at how they've been showing up. So I think that I also take on where mm-hmm. it's not only my fear, but I take on the fear of others as mm-hmm. it relates to my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or your perceived fear that they might have. Yes. Like you're thinking like, oh, they're going to have this fear. Yes. You know, and it's like a, a story, mm-hmm. which is, is usually true. But um, yeah, and I also think about the way that I act sometimes when I'm about to have an expansion. It's like, I'm kind of gripping the walls mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, so what's going wrong? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, so this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. Blah, 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 blah. Instead of like actually seeing what is working and really leaning into that more so. So it's sometimes I'll just get very anxious where I'm like, okay, so we have to do this. That has to, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of, and not just really like free falling into that because that would be like letting go. That is the receiving. That is the allowance of whatever is coming into your life to just really like change it Mm -hmm. and like be sweeping, like have sweeping, beautiful, positive change in your life. Yeah. I think there's like a balance to, because I've seen you be like a planner and organized in a way to, allow the free fall to be something that you can enjoy mm-hmm. rather than like, 
mm-hmm. like trying to grip on as you're falling. So whether it's like scheduling something in advance, planning, like if, you know, moving, it's like, okay, let's like think about this. But then also there's mm-hmm. a letting go of parts of the process. That's true. You know, like I, I do think it's, it's good to set yourself up mm-hmm. knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. I need that. I need like a schedule. I need a little bit of a plan around this thing that feels so expansive and like kind of unknown, but like little points of planning, I think are Mm -hmm. healthy. Yeah. And I I agree. And I think it also speaks to, you know, the thought or the concept that like, who would you be if your dreams came true? Or like, what would happen if your dreams would come true? Or like, what would scare you about your dreams coming true? And we had that interview with the girls from Boss Babe. Natalie and Danielle. And it was really beautiful because they were talking about this question that their financial, maybe their accountant Mm, talks to them. They have a coach that they work with. And she said, you know, what would be bad about you making X amount of money? What would be bad about you making the amount of money of your dreams? Or like, what would be bad about you making the amount of money that you want to make? Yeah. And people normally think that and they're like, oh, nothing. You know, nothing would be bad about me making enough money to feel comfortable or free. But then we think about it a little bit deeper and it's the same of like, what would what would be bad about your dreams coming true? And you could think, well, maybe my, I wouldn't have friends to relate to. You know, maybe I wouldn't be able to connect with my partner as much because they're not in a position where their dreams are coming true. Or maybe I won't be able to do the same things that I normally do. Or maybe my family will feel like betrayed by me. You know, there's a lot of like underlying thoughts to what happens when we expand that sort of our subconscious can play into. Oh, completely. Completely. I think, I think that's some of the most like human and heartbreaking parts of like growing, like Mm -hmm. where you do have to make those just like discerning decisions of like, is this relationship good for me anymore? And will creating space or letting them go actually benefit both of us. Yeah, I think that's like a really interesting point as it relates to to that growth, that contraction and expansion. I And what do you do? Like, mm-hmm. is it a conversation? Is it just a letting go? Like, mm-hmm. I think it depends on the, the relationship. But mm-hmm. I think for me, that's like some of the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think for that, it's probably different for everybody. Yeah. But there was also this really beautiful part of the interview too with Lee, where we talked about his like circle, his friends, um, people that he feels like intimately connected to. And we were talking about the transition from our 20s to our 30s, which we, you know, started the podcast during that time and have a lot of our listeners that are going through that time. And how Lee was saying that in his late 20s, early 30s, he was actually pretty strict on who he was keeping in his life. And he realized at this point in time that he could not have certain people in his life. He could let go of toxic friends. He could kind of move on from relationships and that he was actually doing it quite a bit. He's like, I actually cut out a lot of people during this time. And I felt like it was really freeing Mm -hmm. and liberating. And I think for a lot of people listening that are really going through this time where they're really figuring out who they are and what matters to them, that it's okay to let go of people. And if they're meant to come back, they will. And if you're meant to move on, then you both will. And to hear someone that's so spiritual, you know, kind of say that, I just felt like that was like so beautiful because it is the ebbs and flows of life where in your 20s, you collect a lot of friends and then you kind of sort through them in your 30s. And then from there, you sort of really figure out who your crew is. Yeah. And I feel like you're changing so rapidly during that time Mm -hmm. that like people are kind of hooking into like versions of you and you're like trying to uphold who you are to those people. And it becomes 
so physically and like spiritually exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh wait, I have to be this person with this person because they expect this from me. But I think, yeah, to Lee's point, like it's that discernment of like, no, this is actually who I am. Mm -hmm. And like they can either catch up to this version of me or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Excited about this one. I think you guys will really love it. Before we get into that, um, just a few notes. We have Sacredness of Being Single is open for enrollment and it's really exciting. This is fully led by Lindsay and this was inspired by her Sacredness of Being Single episode that she did um, a few years ago and really just the intention to support women in their evolution to feeling really confident and feeling like this time is like some of the best time of your lives, your lives. Mm-hmm. And also just if you want to be in relationships too, like how can you fully love yourself when you're alone so that when you do call in that sacred partner, you feel like you're full anyways. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Actually, I've gotten a few DMs from women who are like, can I still join if I'm in a relationship? I feel like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, what you're speaking to is really calling me, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm connected to myself within this relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I would love for you. Uh, yeah, I would, that's, lo- I would that's love so that. so smart. <laughs> because yeah, I found myself in so many kind of brief relationships during that season when you're like dating people. And I had that feeling of just like, who am I? And I was like very much in that codependent cycle where I would use relationships to kind of lose myself and like be that like placeholder for that type of work. So um, yeah, I would... I would definitely welcome anyone who just would love to walk in the direction of themselves and be super, super connected to who you are, your intuition, and just really celebrate. You know, I feel like I feel like society, our families, our friends, knowingly or not unknowingly, put so much pressure on us to be married, be in a relationship, kind of move in that direction. And um, yeah, I just I I want you to honor honor this time and just feel super empowered because from my experience that I'm in a relationship now, that was a huge part of what I think created the opportunity to be in the relationship I'm in was just that knowing of myself. I kind of got to the point where I was like, I think I'm good by myself. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty, like, I'm good. And that was kind of like that secret sauce. But um, yeah, this is a six-week program. I can't wait to have you. Enrollment is open until March 10th. And then we begin on March 14th for six weeks. We'll be doing a live call every single week. And then you will have um, meditations and journal prompts and affirmations and integrations to be doing during the week before we meet meet every Sunday. But I love you guys. I can't wait to hang. Uh, you can go to almost30.com for more info. Yes. Amazing. And then Almost 30 podcast onto all socials. We have YouTube as well. We have YouTube video which is really exciting. So let's get into this episode with Lee Harris. I'm really excited. Yeah, he is an energy reader and intuitive. He channels a collective consciousness called Disease. He's an author. He wrote Energy Speaks, which is just really beautiful. Um, he has a membership of his own. You can find everything at leeharrisenergy.com. Also check him out on YouTube. He has monthly um, energy updates that I watch every month, but this one's really special. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Lee, for coming on. We appreciate you. Share it with a friend if you think someone could hear this message. All right, guys, enjoy this one. We'll see you soon. Love you. So, how are you guys? How's twenty twenty one? It's it's going well. 
I think we have a lot of um, kind of new coming through uh, mm. for our for our brand and for the community. And so it feels really good. It feels like it's moving fast and it feels uh, it feels right. And I think to have the contrast of what's going on in the world is just it's interesting, you know, kind of sitting in an observer seat a lot of the time I'm finding personally where I'm just kind of like, wow, I'm so grateful and happy with all that we're doing. And then also having like the two truths of Mm. what's going on. So it's super purposeful, isn't it right now? Like I think for those of us who were already in position and doing our thing this year, just got even more. I know a lot of other people are like getting on board and going, Oh, Mm -hmm. I need to do something in the world. And it needs, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think for those of us who were already out there doing it, it it suddenly just got supercharged last year. So it is a weird, I remember the Z's like years ago saying in, um, I was in London and I was channeling at the end of a presentation for a group and they said the next uh, seven years, and this is like 2017, they said, it's going to be tough in the world and there's going to be a lot that you will see that will break your heart. Mm. But for those of you who are aligned with your mission and your purpose, Mm. these will be golden years and many of you will not have felt as purposeful or aligned as you will in these years to come. And at the time, that was a little abstract. Mm-hmm. And then like two, three years later, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, now I feel it. You know, often mm-hmm. it's like that stuff comes in and it's abstract until it lands. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's been something too. It has been interesting with our friends. Most of our friends are pretty on purpose. I think, you know, when you're in our space, you find people that are on purpose and all of them have had beautiful, successful years. And it is an interesting thing where it's like, I don't want to shy away from the fact of being and feeling really good, but you don't want to be insensitive to people. So what do you, how do you deal with that? Like what's something that you do if you are having a really good time and you feel on purpose in these years? I think you, for me, I choose who I speak to and why. Like mm-hmm. for me, especially in a conversation, it's always a meeting point, right? So mm-hmm. if you're with like your happiest, most positive friend, it's going to be easy to bring those vibes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I also feel like you have to own it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I've had several moments in the last year where I couldn't really share what I was experiencing or what I was going through, but I made sure that I gave myself like 30 minutes or an hour to just feel it, acknowledge it, recognize it. So so for me, it's, yeah, for me, it has been, but probably not unlike you guys, I have people I can share this stuff with who get it, who walk the same walk, who many of them do the same work. So yeah. And then you know, one of the things I always try and remember, because I used to always talk myself out of my own problems, Mm -hmm. which I think is very common. You know, you go, oh, well, they're having a much harder time than Mm -hmm. me. So I'll just try and bypass this together. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no, 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 it's all true. Like you can be grateful for what you're Mm -hmm. experiencing and what you're going through. And you can have compassion Mm -hmm. for someone else's suffering. And, And it might be, you know, in moments that the focus moves around, but yeah. So. When we started Almost 30, we were going through our Saturn return. So lots of like chaos and fears and doubts. And, you know, I think on kind of more of a world stage, we're seeing a lot of chaos and fear play out. And in your most recent update, you were speaking to chaos as it is the dismantling. And I just thought that was really powerful. And for me, in like kind of a weird way, like comforting. 
because it it felt purposeful. So I would love to just kind of expand on that. So whether people are experiencing chaos in their personal life or, you know, seeing being a part of and or taking on what's happening on the world stage and how we can really see and feel that as purposeful. Well, I think there are different... The way I kind of look at it is, you know, I'm sure anybody who tunes into you guys has either gone through their dark night of the soul or might be going through it right now. And there can be many of those, you know, those periods where it feels like everything falls apart in your life. Everything starts to crumble. Um, you go to the depths of emotions that you don't really want to go through. You know, you're like, oh, this just feels awful. And I think, you know, having gone through a few of those in my own life so far, I think for anyone who is not feeling the purpose around what's going on in the world stage right now, they either are still very much living from and only within the very thing that is crumbling down, which is the old system and what we've all grown up through and what we've all got used to. Um, Or they're going through a particular awakening right now where they're losing things in their life. And it's usually... I mean, the loss of loved ones is one thing. I mean, the loss of loved ones is something that will always be imprinted by. You know, you can you can get used to the fact that someone has gone from your life and you can know that you have communication with them, but it, it doesn't bring them back to the physical. And so that's not something that we ever get over, if you like. But the loss of constructs in our lives, the loss of certain relationships in our lives, the loss of certain work is often a catalyst to where we go next. But when you're in it, when you're in the eye of the storm, it's very uncomfortable usually. And it's when you you have to really dig deep, have good support around you, or have good support inside you to deal with it. So I think the first thing that I would say is if you're in this moment in history and you're just freaking out about it, which all of us can do at any moment if we want to, have a real look at your life and ask yourself, do I have people around me that support me and that love me? And do I feel safe, loved and supported in at least a good handful of the people around me? At least a good number of them have to be giving me that feeling of support. Number two, what could I do to support myself in this? Because for example, um, you know, I I don't want to get into the whole politics thing because that's its own minefield. But what I noticed going on in the world when Trump came into power, whatever you thought about him or whether you're Republican, Democrat, whatever in in the US, he really was uh, a very visible catalyst for sexual trauma and sexual abuse and misogyny and all of that stuff. So what happens in those moments when that starts to, when the wound starts to come through you and appear in you, Are you able to hold it? Are there people around you that are able to hold you through it? So I don't think everybody has to have a spiritual viewpoint. But I think if you have no sense of a bigger picture to your life Mm -hmm. or the lives of all of us on the earth right now, you'll just be going, oh my God, it's the end of the world. And what I would say to you there is, yeah, and that's going to happen. The end of the world is going to happen for all of us. At some point, we are going to die people that we love are going to die. And I don't say that in a harsh way. I say that because that's a very tough thing that we go through. And that gets whitewashed and scrubbed out of our conversations around government and and around so many of the, if you like, 
the systems that we have in place right now that are really non-multidimensional, they don't mm-hmm. really look at life as a whole. Yeah. They look at trying to hold something in place. And you can't hold anything in place. This is a journey of life and death. So I think if you aren't looking at things spiritually, look at things just to ask yourself, how am I coping with what is a very challenging time on earth? Oh, I'm not coping. I'm freaking out. All my trauma's coming out. Wow, I didn't know I had anxiety. Truth is, you would have had anxiety probably for many years. But what's happening now is it's surfacing because what was holding all of us in place before is is disintegrating in front of our eyes. So, And that's true for all of us. Like mm-hmm. whether you've been on the path for 60 years or six months, I think all of us have gone through major healing waves at a speed we've never seen before in the last couple of years. Mm. Yeah, it can be disorienting for sure because of the speed at which it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even think about, you know, in my life, the periods in which have seemed the hardest and it really was the surfacing of an issue or trauma that I really needed to address. And, you know, for me last year, it was really the mother wound and, and working on my mother wound. But in that, you know, speaking to grief and speaking to um, a lot of fear that people have. In one of your videos you did a while ago, I thought it was really beautiful and it actually spoke to me as medicine right now. I've been feeling feeling incredibly fearful in the past couple of weeks because we have so much going on that you know, we're hopeful to be amazing and awesome and expansive for us. And it's almost like the grief is preceding the breakthrough. And I really loved how you spoke to that. And I think for a lot of people that are feeling fearing feeling fearful right now, it could be preceding a breakthrough. So I'd love for you to talk more about that. That's interesting. So, you know, one of the things several years ago, I I gave a phrase to an experience that I would have over and over again, and that I would notice other people having. Um, and I call it contraction before expansion. Mm-hmm. So we'll go into this <laughs> place right before we have a breakthrough. And I used to notice it in my own life in a, in a very weirdly psychic way. Like right before I met a significant relationship in my life, I would have a weird few days for no apparent reason. And I would go through fear and I would go through, because I was about to meet a person I was going to have a relationship with for a few years that was going to change me and open me. And mm. um, But I think also it's something I teach creators Uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or an artist or whatever it is you are creating, if you are birthing something in the world that is new to you, uh, and thus it will be to the other people whom are coming to receive what you're birthing, you're going to have a freak out along the way. And I think you just get better at mastering the freak out. Like I now know, oh, I'm having a bit of a freak out. I'm having a bit of doubt. Oh, okay. I've got used to it. But it doesn't mean it. It's I'm immune from it. You know, every time I do something new that challenges who I was or what I did or changes my identity in some way. So when you look at it on a global scale, I mean, I've never seen the world contract the way that I feel mm-hmm. it's contracting in the last few years in my lifetime. I don't know about you guys, but so but but what what my guides have said, they've always talked about this period. Originally, they said 2017 to 2024 were going to be like the hot years on earth. And of course, then they, then they really focused on 2020 to 2024. And I have, um, I've had a few astrologer people come on my podcast lately, um, really great people, Bracker Goldsmith, Pam Gregory. And it was lovely to hear them say from an astrological perspective, the same thing, but that really what we're going through right now is a kind of hold your breath, hold your nerve time, but 
get purposeful around it and use it as a way to create something new because we aren't going back to how the world was. And there will still be a lot about the world that will look similar or will be built on the back of what we've come through. I think people often get this very dramatic idea that we're all going to be living in the meadows, you know, digging up for potatoes and stuff. And it's not going to be quite that (laughs) dramatic, certainly not now. What is true is that something new is asking to be born. And I had a few people in my life who were quite chronically watching it and paralyzed because that's all they were doing. All they were doing was watching Mm -hmm. everything around them, breaking down, falling apart. And of course, they were focused on those things. And, you know, with one of them, I said, well, what are you going to do? What, what, you know, do you want to just be an observer to a world that is changing? Or do you want to get in the stream? And what could you do that's different this year that's going to align you with the energy of change in a in a way that isn't all about grief, loss, or sorrow, mm. but instead is about, oh, you know, things are changing. And interestingly, one of those people is now doing really well and has a different kind of energy around it. And it doesn't mean there aren't moments where you're like, oh my God, look at that over there. Or you hear or feel something heartbreaking in the world. But this is a time that we were built for. And one of the messages that, that they've given over and over again is, if you're still alive and you feel like you have no purpose, you would be dead if you weren't meant to be here. They say it's very easy to die. They say Mm -hmm. it's very easy to just pull your body off this planet to be be done. So they say, get curious about why you're still here and what you're here to do. And then the other message they started giving in a really big way in 2017, over and over again, you are needed and now is your time. So I think sometimes, you know, I'll I've got one friend in my life who, um, beautiful person, and will often talk about things as if she's not involved. And I'll occasionally (laughs) just go, great, I'm really glad that you're excited about this time of creators and innovators. You realize that's you as well, right? You realize Mm -hmm. something you're doing. And, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that we all write a book or we all have a podcast. It could be that you change the way you see something or the way that you speak about something And then when you start saying those things to your family members or your friend group, it's going to have a huge knock-on effect on them. You know, I'm highly influenced by the people around me and what they bring to me and the energy they bring and what they're doing. And that's how we're all here and in it together. We're all going along together, affecting each other. We're one hive. We just might all have slightly different looking jobs. Mm. I love that anecdote about your friend. And I feel like our listeners will be able to relate no matter how you feel about what's going on on earth right now, where you have different people in your life who have different experiences, feelings, viewpoints, um, and emotions around what's happening. And you spoke recently about how there is a lot of black and white like feelings around what's going on and how it's important that we hold space for people who are very black and white to transform And sometimes that's really hard. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to necessarily hold space for someone who is very black and white because I feel exhausted by it. And I also want to protect kind of my own energy, for lack of a better word. Mm. So can can you talk 
talk about that yeah. and how we can just have those conversations or at least open up to that. This is a very personal question. I was going to say this, I this, saw Chris's face. I was like, here she comes. How it was like, this is actually a real life situation yeah. that we're talking about here. Shall we name it. names? Yeah, no, no, I get it. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, here's, here's my kind of clause. Like, is this relationship damaging me? traumatizing me or am I damaging or traumatizing this relationship? So is my wound acting out in a way that I just need to time out and step Mm. back? Or is their wound acting out in a way that is hurting me Mm. and actually is damaging my ability to stay centered? Now, if I can check that those things aren't going on, then I can hold space, you know? So, and, And I also think that it's very important to... You know, one of the things I was called to teach for many years because it was something I wasn't very good at was boundaries. Mm. And one of the best things I ever heard through my guides who I channel was they said, if you have an angry outburst at someone, they knew that outburst was coming on a soul level and they wouldn't have allowed it into their experience of being a soul if they weren't meant to have an experience with you through anger. And what they were trying to illustrate was... We can get very shame-based and judgy about, oh, I wasn't very nice. I wasn't very peaceful. I wasn't very spiritual. Well, actually, to be spiritual is to be human. And all of us came through this very mixed bag of (laughs) light and dark, all of us. So we all ingested it. We're all in it. We're all playing it out. So the quicker that you can just allow yourself to you know, be able to perhaps go back to a friend or a lover or whatever and go... I'm sorry I lost my rag at you yesterday. I got really angry. I've reflected on it. This is why I got angry. This is what I'm going to do next time I feel that boiling. So I think it's also really important to sometimes have those difficult clash moments in order to learn, A, we'll allow that through our body Mm. because often anger is a boundary. Like for me, when I get angry, it's a boundary sign. Yeah, same. Because it will take me a lot to get angry. I'm I'm generally quite an easygoing person with people. If I start to get angry, I've learned now to pay attention. Is my boundary being crossed and I haven't noticed? So my body is telling me there's something off in this energy Mm. because my mind or my eyes might want the picture to be rosier. But because luckily I've kind of got more in touch with my feelings and body over the the last decade or so, now my body will will flame, will start to fire up. If there's something in the room that I need to be aware of, not always the other person's fault, might be my own trigger. And my own trigger is going off in a way that isn't being held or supported or transmuted with this person. So I need to go off and look at that and think about that, you know, kind of do what I need to do. So regarding your question, I put all of that out there first because I do not think we should ever hold space for people at our own expense. If we're holding space for someone who is uh, chipping away at us with a knife and we're getting Mm -hmm. cuts all over our body, what are we doing? We're not paying attention to what's going on in the room. Mm. And I see a lot of spiritual people, and I did it too, try and bypass their way through abusive relationships, abusive dynamics. But I think my point was equally, try and remember that that person could just be in their wound right now. And you might speak to them in a year, and they may not be holding that anymore. Or they may have through another person, maybe it isn't you that is supposed to be the person to have this conversation with them. Maybe you're the first conversation they ever have about seeing something differently and they flare up. But then you go, I'm probably not going to see that person for a little while. We just need to take a little time out. 
they might have two or three other incidences in their life that are trying to teach them the same lesson that you thought you were trying to bring to them. So I think what I'm, I think the problem with the energy update really is, you know, I, I'm doing broad strokes mm-hmm. as best I can for a wide range of mm-hmm. people. But I think we have to be, we really have to be careful, especially those of you who are wired more compassionately or more sensitively to make sure, am I allowing my fire out to protect me at the moment? Have I been saying the difficult things that I might need to say that might jar somebody, but that are going to make me not leave the room feeling exhausted next time? That is a process that's going on on the planet right now for sensitive, heartfelt, compassionate people. Are you learning your boundary and who you shouldn't be with or who you aren't the person uh, to have that conversation with? That's really, really key going forward because as the world gets more emotional and fiery as it already has, you need to be a good guardian for what you've got inside you in case the person in front of you isn't going to be. No fault of their own. They either don't fully see you, they don't feel the world the way you do. So it's, it's, it's a very tricky It's a tricky area, but I think the reason I was called to say that was so that we can get ourselves out of blaming Mm. in our head and like going, oh God, those bad people. Mm -hmm. Because if you talk to those bad people, they'll give you six reasons why they're doing the thing that to you looks completely bizarre. So, you know, I think that's where it was coming from. Yeah, that was beautiful. I think it's always too just you know, the understanding of nuance. I think nuance is just everything. Nuance in truth, nuance in relationships, nuance in energy. There's just so much nuance that I think sometimes we forget. And, you know, piggybacking off what Lindsay was saying, and even just thinking about, you know, your close circle, people that you keep close to you, what are the standards that you have for your relationships? And if you find that someone is triggering you in your life, is it someone that, you know, is it a trigger that's an opportunity for growth? Or do you find, like, what's the, the boundary when you cut someone out of your life? Hmm. Interesting. Well, I think if I go back to like my 20s and my early 30s, cutting, there became a point when I realized I could cut people out of my life. <laughs> and then I think I went a bit gung-ho. <laughs> for a few years, like, you know, like, oh, you just cut them out. You know, I mean, it, was, it was never that mercenary. It always really hurt because I was very, um, I would get very enmeshed with people mm. and I wouldn't always get enmeshed with the right people. Not their fault, me. It was all, I would, I would find it easy to connect with people but I wouldn't always be the best judge of whether or not this person was right for me and where I was going. And so, you know, I had a phase where it was like, oh, you just don't see that person anymore. I don't think, I think the next stage for me came with truth telling, like being willing to say something that might make them or the room or me uncomfortable which I didn't really want to do. Uh, But I got better at it. And I learned that actually doing it, all you have to do is withstand the feeling of discomfort in your body for a while, which is also something I avoided in my younger years. So, But I I would say now, I, I think it's really how people treat people is the trigger for me. Like if I have anyone in my life who I think is behaving in a cold... And repeatedly, like, you know, Mm -hmm. if they're having a bad day, wow, that wasn't like them. Mm -hmm. But if I see them over and over again, treating someone badly or treating someone carelessly, 
that for me is a, oh, okay, I can't, I can't be very close to this person. Because if I, if I can speak to them about it and they get it and they, you know, then sure. But if I speak to them about it and they deny it or defend against it, it so, so for me, the people I, I can be really close to are the people I really trust on a heart level. And they might think spirituality is a load of wackadoodle, but they might be the kindest, most compassionate, most, you know, they're, they're, they're looking out for people in the way that they're skilled at looking out for people. That's something I really value. And um, yeah, talent, intelligence, those kinds of things, they don't impress me very much, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't like it when people treat me a certain way. I've I've experienced in work that Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, like if you're at a conference or you're a speaker with other other speakers there, it's very easy to see that someone's being nice to you because of who they perceive you are. And then you watch them be mean to Mm -hmm. someone who brings them a glass of water backstage. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. that that for me is like a, okay, mm out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just think people who want to, um, want to be genuine. And now I think I'm better at not having those sudden stops in my life, but it took years. And, and actually, I will also say that there was a period where me being willing to cut off with someone was actually huge progress for me. It was huge progress for me to allow myself to do that. So you know, I, I guess it's like all of us, we all go through growth stages. And when you kind of master one stage, it's like, oh, now maybe I can, I can be a bit more gray and a bit less black and white. Mm. Yeah, I relate to that a lot where I feel, I feel shame in quote unquote cutting people out because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. concerned with how they will view me or maybe how it will bite me in the butt or yeah, there is just such a... Um, a shame wound around doing what's best for you. And also, you know, I'm realizing now that it's actually really, like you said earlier about, you know, their soul choosing this and my soul choosing this, it would behoove them as well for me to do what is best for me in that moment. So yeah, just speaking out loud, but I relate to that a lot. Um, well, and just, if I can just mm-hmm. add to that, because I yeah. think what you bring up is really key. Um, what I've realized is, you know, we, we contract people to help us play through our wounds, right? So you might mm-hmm. contract a friend at the age of 35 and you're like, oh my God, I love this person. And you haven't worked out. It's because they remind you of your brother, mm-hmm. whatever gender they might be or, you know, however mm-hmm. they identify. And uh, yeah, a year later, it all blows up like in a in an extraordinary way. You're like, what? But we were like... And if you really then like step back and look at it, you're like, oh my God, that's just like what happened with me and my brother at 17. And so mm. the, the Zs talk about the people that we'll get really close to, whether they're people we spend a lot of time with or whether they're those wonderful people that you can meet for three days and you have incredible intimacy and vulnerability with them. They say it's all about the amount of connection points you have with a person. So if there are eight areas or more that you cross over in values, in interests, in life experiences, you're going to tend to have a good experience, they said. And then when you get into the teens and the 20s, 
then you start to get people who really want to glue together because they've got all of these connection points, all of these similar traits, similar values, similar life experiences. And that made a lot of sense to me. And I, if I really look back at some of my more dramatic endings, whether it was with lovers or with friends, um, they were definitely not built to last. But at the time, I had so wrapped around the emotion or the energy that I was working with that person and they were working with me that the explosion at the end, which kind of hurt, um, was a release and a healing. But at the time, and this goes right back to what we started talking about at the beginning, at the time, it doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. You don't, just like the world right now, we'll look back at this period in history in three, four, five years, and we'll have an idea about it mm -hmm. that we can't have right now because we're in it. Right. Yeah. I would love to... I would love to talk about disease and just kind of familiarize our audience with um, with channeling. They they know about channeling, but I think just specifically your experience in first channeling disease and just kind of how you came to do what you do, and would love to learn more about um, what makes disease unique. Yeah. Okay. So. I was a bit of a personal development um, workshop and go for a tarot reading junkie in my life. Story of my life. That's no, amazing. Oh my God. Every week we're like, oh my God, another reading. It's we, we honestly go through our, seasons. Our readers are like, they're telling us things and we're literally like, yeah, okay. We're not surprised like at all because we have so many. I'm like, okay, cool. We definitely go yeah. through seasons where we're, we're like, we're seasons. done. We're in seasons. No more though. Yeah. We're done with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So I, I'd gone that way. And I, I remember reading Shirley MacLaine's Out in the Limb book and loving it. And you know, this is a while ago. I mean, I, I would have read that 25 years ago. So, um, and in it, she talked about this channeling guy. And I remember it seemed like fantastical and like this extraordinary thing, but I didn't think anything else of it. And then I was taken to see a channeler and um, he was great. He was a guy who had a very successful business that he owned. So he would do one free channeling reading as kind of a gift mm. to whoever came to see him once a week. And my friend said, oh, let's go. And I was like, okay, yeah, great. So we go along and, you know, we're kind of curious about it. And he was really nice. You know, I chatted to him and his wife in their kitchen before and oh, what, a, what a lovely couple. And then we go into the room and uh, I sit down in the chair and he said, so, you know, you're going to get to talk to Hazim and you'll get to ask Hazim questions. And so again, I was young. I mean, I was 20, 22, I think. No, no, I was earlier. I was like 20, 21. And I remember he closed his eyes and he started talking in a slightly funny voice. And I remember thinking, hmm. And then <laughs> he started telling me some things about me. And it was pretty like, I was like, ooh. And then he told me some things I didn't like but he was correct. <laughs> like years later, I was like, no, no, it was correct. I didn't like, my ego didn't like hearing it at the time because it wasn't quite what I wanted. But he was right. And I remember leaving the room, having had this like nearly hour session with him. And as we were driving home, my friend went, well, how was it for you? And I went, well, I said, you know, it was really good, but why does he have to like pretend it's coming from like this other being and put on that funny voice. Why couldn't he just have told me? You know, I was skeptical about mm -hmm. it. So flash forward like two years later and I'm on the London Underground and um, which is the, you know, the tube mm -hmm. subway train. I'm going to my job, which at the time is in fundraising and um, going through all the stuff in my own head about 
what's wrong with me, why mm. I'm, you know, why I'm failing at the things I want to do, all that's, you know, all down, downward talk. And I suddenly hear from the left-hand side above my head, that's an interesting theory, but you're wrong. And I was kind of like, huh? And it, <laughs> and it was just instant. And it was, it was from here. So, and it's still to this day, if I speak to them, I hear them from this side. And uh, I started having questions, what, what? And they started giving me information. This voice would start answering the questions I was having about a relationship issue I was in at the time. And they were explaining why it wasn't his fault. It was my fault. And here's why. <laughs> and it You're kind like, of yeah, blew my mind. I didn't believe mind. this anyway. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it kind of blew my mind. And I remember like, you know, my body would have probably been, you know, if, if you could look at my energy body, even though I might not have looked like this on the outside, my energy body that morning would have been <laughs> kind of like that. And the experience of having the channeling, like literally, I remember like kind of going like this. So it wasn't just the information they were giving me that was feeding my mind. Something shifted in my energy understanding. Like I felt the higher truth of what they were showing me and I came up Mm -hmm. and I was no longer just down in my stuff. So at first I thought, well, no, this can't be right because you shouldn't be on a subway. You should be (laughs) on a meditation retreat. You should have only eaten lettuce for three months and you should be like blessed by somebody really spiritual. This can't happen to me this way. But they were like, no, no, we're your guides. We've always been here. You just haven't been listening. Um, But we've always been there throughout your life. And interestingly, a few years earlier, I had started doing intuitive readings, but like as a joke with my friends, kind of like just playing. Yet they would always say, how did you know that? And I still didn't believe, you know, I kind of, oh, that's lucky. But they said, you've been tapping in and now you're ready for us. Mm -hmm. So... They explained that they were my guides, but that they were bigger than my guides as well, that there are 88 members in their collective. But they also said, but we caution you against that number because we communicate uh, galactically. So they said, you know, you, 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 you want details, you want names, we can give you names, you can call me Zachary, I'm the lead spokesperson. Um, but they said, we are channeling just like you are channeling us. So they kind of explained to me it's a hall of mirrors, which was kind of weird because, (laughs) you know, my experience of channeling at that time, the few times I'd heard it, it was one human being channeling one entity. And it was usually an angel, an alien, or like something else. So they were like, well, no, everyone is channeling all of the time because you're all infused by each other. So you're speaking to us, we're a collective, but think of us as a consciousness library. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And I would come home from my job every night and I would write questions to them about my life, about the world at large. And the answers they would give me would always not only expand my mind, but they would then start to shift the way I would show up in those relationships. Mm. And after a few years, I, I had a few friends I would like do readings for. And then that was, that was kind of the beginning of it all. A, a yoga teacher friend who had a newsletter of 300 people said, you should do this. You should do this as a job. And you let me send you out to my newsletter. And I was like, oh, no, kind of like terrified. And I thought she'd forgotten because I sent her, I said, oh, what do you think of this? I mean, here's a paragraph about how I could maybe do it for people. Maybe mm-hmm. if they send me three questions, I could write them the answers because that works. Um, and I didn't hear anything from her for a week. And I thought, oh, she was just being nice. Mm-hmm. And then boom, like I was at work and I got a phone call from a man 
on June the 14th, 2004, saying, hello, I'm Nigel, and I hear that you can give readings. And uh, my very professional self went, oh, yes, okay, and took his details. And inside, I was going, oh, like dying, <laughs> like, oh, my God, terrified. But it was great because it kind of made me do it. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it made me do it. Disease were like, yes. Yeah, honestly, they're like, rock on. So it seems like, so it seems like part of that was critical to you connecting with disease was your attempt to tap in, an attempt to make connection through your intuitive readings that you were doing. Um, What's the relationship, I guess, then with disease and your soul? Like, do you consider your soul to be part of the, the social memory complex of disease and, or are they in communication or... Like, what's that sort of relationship? Well, a couple of things that I do know about it that they have said. Number one, you know, they told me years ago, there was a point when I didn't know if I wanted to channel anymore. Mm. I didn't enjoy the distraction of it for some people. I didn't enjoy certain people in my life, kind of, especially as I began to do it more publicly. Um, I got some kickback from people that I knew and liked and who had liked me. Mm. But suddenly this thing was too weird for them. And that just kind of made me sad. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's so, what a shame. Because mm-hmm. if, if it would, if it were the other way around, I don't think I would have to like reject that person just because they're doing something that isn't my world. Or, you know, I could even probably go, I don't really get it. I don't even believe it, but I know they're a, a decent person. So that there was a time when it was jarring to me. And also even in the spiritual community, I found that a lot of people would give their power away to channeling too readily and not understand that it's it's an alchemical process. When you experience and infuse channeling into your body and in, into your yourself, it's going to change you. And the real key comes with what you do with what it does to you, not necessarily just going back for another hit. Mm-hmm. You know, you go listen to the channel and then it's going to give you an opportunity to grow and change. So I had a moment where I was going to stop and they were like, you don't have to channel publicly, but they said, but we're not going anywhere. They went, you're not, we'll, we'll be with you all your life. Mm. Um, they said, but you, you never have to do this publicly. That has mm. to be your choice. Mm. Um, and of course, ironically, it made me double down and made mm. me actually commit even more. But they, they have said a couple of things about our history. So several members of the group have, have been alive on the earth at the mm. same time that I was in prior history. And they say that that's how it works. You know, our group of guides simply have to be spirits who are outside the body who are choosing to still work in in that way. Because a lot of us will pass over and we won't necessarily hover so close to the earth or to people. But some, some elect to, they stay as energy movers, they stay as communicators, they stay as angelics. It just depends. There are all of these different layers. So um, the sole contract that I have with them to me, they're my family. Like that's mm-hmm. really how I experience it. They're my family on the astral. Mm. When you are channeling, especially for either a book or even for yourself, is it most helpful that you write down as you're receiving the information or is it kind of integrating and then writing down? What is that process like? I love that you bring that up because one of my favorite things to do is to tell other people that they can channel too. And I know for many in your audience, this might be quite normal, but you know, I've had people show up at workshops of mine who've been dragged along by a friend and they don't really, (laughs) you know, they don't really know what it is necessarily, but they were willing to come. And usually in, in every workshop I do that's live, I will channel for some of it and I will always 
get people to channel for themselves in the workshop room. Because I know if I say, do it when you go home, you won't do it. Mm -hmm. So we give out paper and pen or a post, big postcard. And I, I ask people, I say, what does my soul want to tell me today is what you're going to write at the top. And I explain that the reason it's so powerful to write it down, there are many reasons, but you get to have it recorded so that you can look at it again in a week or two and see the validity of it and see how it showed up in your life. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly, if I'm just talking to the Z's, like I can have like a moment of clarity, a visionary moment, which many people would be used to. Uh, and you go, oh yeah, that's cool. All right. But if I write something down, my human body, my eyes, my heart, my mind reads that thing back to me and something immediately starts to transmit. Mm. So one way they put it once was they said, when you bring the words of your spirit or your guides or your soul down onto the page, it's often the first moment of manifestation for those words. Because before then they were up here. But the minute you bring them down onto the earth, the minute you cast an intention, it's an opportunity for you to go, oh yeah, I'm really going to get behind that. Or I'm going to pull away from that. Or I'm going to forget all about that and distract myself. It's your choice. Mm. But it's very powerful to write mm. it down because it lets you... I always encourage people who want to channel, just talk to your soul. Ask your soul, what do you want to tell me today? Take five minutes, write down what comes, do it three or four times a week for about a month. And you'll be very surprised at what will shift for you. Mm. And you will start to feel and see and perceive in a more intuitive way naturally as time goes on, just because you'll be bringing that energy into your life. And reading those words back is really powerful. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I've I've done some um, soul journaling like that, soul channeling. And for me, it's so powerful because I I remember that I'm not alone. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I got to figure out how to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then my soul's like, actually, da, 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 da. and I'm reading it I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. like it is just so comforting. Yeah. It is it is such a friend. And like you said, the Z's are your family. And that's kind of like, that is the feeling of it. It is just like so yeah. familial and and warm and beautiful. So... Yeah, but I, I love what you said because, you know, and I, I've said this on stage or like in workshops I've given online and stuff, you know, people will say to me, oh, it must be so easy for you because you can speak to them anytime. And I say, well, yes, but there have been times in my life where I consciously haven't spoken to them because I want to work it out myself. And then like everybody else, there are times mm -hmm. in my life where I'll be going through something for like two, three days and I'll be like, hang on, why haven't I channeled about that? You know, mm -hmm. you forget, like yeah. you, you forget that you have that there. And they say that's one of the biggest things that we do. They say you can always ask for angelic help, help from your guides, and you don't. They say you just, mm -hmm. you forget that, you know, if you reach up, if you, if you want that moment of connection, whatever, however that is for you, you know, maybe it's God, maybe it's Jesus, maybe it's prayer. They say, but you forget to do it. They say we don't run out of energy. Mm -hmm. We don't need to sleep eight hours a day. Just, <laughs> just call, you know, mm -hmm. call on us. But you know, you'll forget, and remember that you will forget to try and train yourself out of forgetting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the veil. Mm -hmm. I, I think about that too. I've been thinking about that lately, where you know we're just again under a lot of pressure right now. And I was like, oh, this would be hard if I didn't have the energy of God. You know, when I'm thinking that it's only me doing something, when I'm thinking it's only Lindsay and I doing something, that's when it feels hard and that's when it feels 
exhausting, but when we bring in the energy of God or source, it feels so much lighter. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. this is actually working through me. It's not me in my own human energy and my ego that's creating this experience on its own. It's like in collaboration with, and I've always found that that's like such a reassuring feeling for me. It's so true. And like I, the, the times where I f- forget that, you know, mm-hmm. like everyone yes. where, you know, you kind of really go into your human stuff. They're always the most painful times, aren't they? It's like, mm-hmm. it's always the, it's never, it's never good when you think you're alone in the universe with the thing that you're facing. Yeah. And it's always uh, so much more healing and powerful and things become available when you're able to reach out in that way. There was something you mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk about, which was um, giving your power away. And I feel like, you know, that's like a pattern that I'm really seeing or that's really been brought into my consciousness is seeing people give their power away. And right now specifically, it's more so people giving their power away to like people on social media, you know, that they're following, that they, you know, like or that they don't like. And it's been really heartbreaking to see people just you know, from my perception, completely lose any sense of their own truth and their own essence and their own beliefs because they are giving their power away to others to speak for them, decide for them, to take action for them and all these sort of things. So um, with giving your power away, what do you suggest for people to notice if they're giving their power away? And then how can we prevent ourselves from giving our power away? Yeah, this is where I think inventory is really important, Mm -hmm. like doing a a life review or an inventory and like being really honest with yourself about, oh, okay, well, I was in a situation as a child where I wasn't allowed to have power. And the dynamics in the Mm -hmm. house I grew up in, uh, if I tried to speak my truth or state my, you know, take my power, I was punished. I was abandoned. I was rejected. It was dangerous for me. So I need to now be aware that that imprint is in me and it might come out very unconsciously. So I think doing an inventory about knowing what you've come through and where you came from, again, not to point the finger at others, but just to get really honest with yourself about all of us have strengths and weaknesses. You know, our challenges can give us gifts as well as Achilles' heels. So I think the more you can get kind of granular about your life experiences. Let's say you've had a string of really toxic relationships, you know, go into the next one, knowing you're going to need help, knowing you're going to need support, whether it's a counselor or a friend that you trust to have your back. And you say, hey, when I get into the next relationship, if they start asking me to give all their money, give them all my money, if they want to move in in the first week and leave where they lived and all the people they knew, if I haven't met their friends by month three, these are the things I want you to help me be a guardian of because I know mm. I can get like inflamed and I can lose that sense of reason. So I think, I think for any of us, knowing what we've come through and knowing where we may have bias around our own wounds that has been what has helped me. And that seems to be the thing that I've seen with the people who can have pretty successful awareness around themselves. You don't avoid lessons, but you go into lessons with a bit more clarity and a bit more consciousness. So for example, that kind of all or nothing mentality you're talking about with social media, again, it goes to that black and white Mm -hmm. thing. And I think unfortunately, because the fear levels on the planet have successfully been increased, 
um, people start to lose their center and the fear starts to drive um, our thinking and our feeling. And if you aren't aware of that and you've got a really activated nervous system, but that's not something you've ever looked into or figured out for yourself, you will start taking actions, saying things that are coming from a very inflamed place. So it is heartbreaking. And I think one of the hardest things I think the division energy that all of us have been experiencing lately, even if you yourself are perhaps doing well in your own life or you've got unity in your own group, maybe more than ever before in your life, it's jarring to see it going on in the world, even though we know this is what's supposed to happen right now, or cosmically, this is what they've predicted for a long time, that we're going to go through this very rocky divide and conquer kind of experience that's all about freedom and control. Mm. And those are very triggering things for us as individuals because it really taps into our Am I Safe Mm -hmm. program. Um, And we're going to have to rise above the old kind of Am I Safe, freedom, control, very kind of 3D paradigm that you know has kind of held us all in place for so long, kind of that subconscious comparison that we see. Uh, You'll see it, you know, read any news article and scan it for emotion. Mm -hmm. You know, news articles are rarely asking you to to feel or think for yourself. The best news articles are the ones that are laying out facts and asking you to think about those facts and make your own conclusions. But more often than not, the emotional slant that is weaved through these stories is designed to make us feel a certain way. And so unfortunately, I think there is, there is a lot of um, response to that right now. But what I do think is, is also true is find your truth, find your center. Don't be too alarmed that relationship changes and who you are, identity changes are part of this time because they, they just are. And it doesn't mean there aren't people you might come back with in a few years time or in a year and it might be different. But it's also okay because this is very much a time where, you know, the seas are kind of dividing a little bit. And that doesn't mean that unity can't come back in the future. But at the moment, that's kind of what we're in. Mm-hmm. Have the Z's in the past said anything about social media in particular? Mm-hmm. Because it is just like so much a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. <laughs> well, they've said a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've said um, nothing about it is singularly bad. Mm-hmm. So what they've said is, you know, it's it's always what you are doing with it. But they have talked about freedom and control, and you know, they've said um, social media has has in many ways increased the hive mind of the world, increased the psychic connections between people, mm. and in in its best um, moments has given has given us access to things that we didn't previously have access to, you know, mm-hmm. opinions, videos, documentation of things that if you think about it, go back 20 years, the things that we were fed were very much funneled to us. Mm-hmm. But then the shadow side of social media is here you've got everyone's mind, feelings and thoughts running amok. It's a little bit like throwing, you know, because we're, we're so young with the internet. You know, mm-hmm. we're so young. We're, we are the first generation who've really had to grapple with it. You know, it's a bit like taking a bunch of 12-year-olds that you've shut in a dark room for three days, feeding them a load of M&Ms and other sugar, <laughs> and then putting them, putting them all in a gymnasium together and seeing how it goes. You know, it's <laughs> kind of like there's a certain level of energetic deprivation mm-hmm. on social media 
that I think it's really important to know. And I think when you have that, you can figure it out. But for, for example, if someone is using social media as their way of connecting with the world only, and of course this year, you know, the internet has been a lifeline for so many of us, I think, in terms of connection with people. Problem is if you're on there for like 10 or 12 hours, your body doesn't understand why it feels empty, hollow, or drained. Your body hasn't been in reference to a person or to energies, but it is your mind is taking in all of this stuff that your body then can't really process. So I think like anything, you have to be very balanced diet about it and choose to use it the way that it enhances your life, but really observe where it sucks you down the comparison less than rabbit hole. Yeah. Every once in a while, if we're on our computer, I'm on my phone or we're on interviews, I'll just like make myself look up and I'm like looking at actual, the actual world. I'll be like, this is life. This is life. This is life. So that I'm having that referential comparison to my phone and just reminding myself like from a neural perspective, this is actually life here on the, like, this is my life, not what's going on specifically on my phone. Also doing that with like dreams, like this is life, like this is not a dream. This is not a dream so that I can go into, to lucid dreaming. I wanted to just ask as like a last, a last point for people that do want to find, you know, their purpose this year. We talked a little bit about that before we started, but for those that are interested in finding their purpose and and really making a difference and really using their gifts for good, what would you suggest some of the first things that they can do on that journey are? And this is such a big one, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm kind of lucky, I guess, that I've had a purpose in me for 17 odd years, but but in the time that I have been, and, and even before that, you know, I, I, w- I was, my purpose was really driving me towards music. But I think I've met so many people in the spiritual community. And I think because purpose is a word that's thrown around a lot in personal development, spirituality, and I, I feel for them because I meet so many people who are bereft mm-hmm. about the fact they don't feel purpose. And they, I think sometimes we get confused about what it is. The first thing I would say is try and clean your mind of what you think your purpose looks like and really try and get more in touch of what your purpose feels like. So for example, let me, I'll use myself as an example because someone said something to me the other day and we had a conversation about this. Someone said to me, uh, what's it like to be on YouTube all the time? And like, um, like they, what? they kind of said to be Lee Harris. And I went, well, I'm not him most of the time. They went, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm not. I'm on YouTube for, you know, I record a video yes. for 25 minutes. <laughs> I'm on stage like, you know, maybe eight <laughs> times, not this year, but, you know, eight, nine times a year. I said, so I don't have to be him. I'm me. <laughs> and I'm driven to do the things I'm compelled to do in the world. And I will never know what it's like to to kind of look at my work from the outside because we don't, if you're in love with looking at what you think your purpose is in the world, you aren't doing it right. Mm. Or you're really, you know, you've got some narcissistic wounding going on and you just have to think, you know, you're trying to, trying to be seen and, and feel through adoring yourself. So really your purpose is the thing that you feel compelled to do, but also where it intersects with what the world needs and wants from you. And I think that's the thing we can often forget. You know, you can go, well, I'm compelled to do my really weird abstract art, 
but nobody wants it. And I'm like, okay, well then that isn't your full purpose. Mm. That's part of what you're doing in the world. That might be something that in years to come, people can connect with more, or it might always be your 20% thing, but there will be an 80% thing or a few things that you also have in you, that things that you value, things that are natural to you, that you can offer that other people are going to want, because our purpose is usually to do with what we're, how we're connecting with or engaging with the world. So for some people, it is not people. They're like, oh God, I'm over humans. Let me just work with nature and animals. And it's like, cool, that's, that's what they're here for. But for other people, it will be, where is what I can offer valuable to other people? And I think one of the things I always advise any entrepreneurs or healers or coaches that I work with when they're like, well, I don't know how to describe what I do. And I'm like, well, have you given sessions yet in your work to friends or paid? And they go, oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've done like 50 paid sessions. And, and I'm like, what are your testimonials saying? And I, I go, what is the common thread in your testimonials? And they go, oh, well, they always say, I always hear they feel really seen by me. But you know, that's not anything. And I'm, I'm like, oh no, that's something. And if people are consistently saying about you, you make them feel seen. You don't value that because that's just natural to you. It's just mm-hmm. who you are. But what they're telling you is, I really valued feeling seen. And you clearly have a gift with that. So when you are writing the description of your sessions, you want to take that information and put it in there. And you say, you know, the people I work for describe themselves as feeling deeply seen. And this leads to them feeling more confident to make changes in their life or whatever it is. So I think your sense of purpose will come from both what you feel driven and compelled to do inside. And often in our childhood, those signs are there. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. Some people have difficult childhoods. They have to kind of come out of and reinvent themselves. But for a lot of people, the things that you loved to do or that were natural and that usually you won't be that bothered about, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I can cook a great meal. I know everyone always goes on about it. I, I, I just love to go in the kitchen and figure this out. Well, that, that is of purpose to other people because they are the beneficiaries of your natural gift of going into the kitchen and making this incredible meal. So for me, purpose is always an intersection of what it is we're compelled to do and what we can do and how another being or aspect of the world might want that from us and how we can find a place where that's working for everybody. So you're doing something that you feel good and driven about and other people are having a good experience of you offering that out into the world. So, you know, that's why parents, again, unless the parent's very wounded or isn't really, shouldn't really have been a parent, maybe, parents feel really purposeful because they've got this little being mm-hmm. that depends on them for life. So they wake up every day. And even if they're having a bad day, they're not going to go, no, I'm taking the day off being a parent today. <laughs> you, you take my car and credit card and you take your seven-year-old sister and you sort it out. No, that's not going to happen. You know, parents like, this is my purpose. This is very clear. So I think it's just about creating that in the world for yourself. And I think if you are at the beginning, if you're listening to this going, well, it all sounds great, but where do I start? Start small. Don't try and you know, don't try and build your whole purposeful thing in even a year, you know, give yourself two or three years, but start with, well, what could I, what could I try first? And w- what would feel good to me? And let me try it. I'm not sure it would feel good because that's the other thing. People go, well, I, I don't know if I'd like this thing. And I'm like, well, then try it. 
because none of us are going to know until you do it. Well, I don't know. I don't want to get it wrong. And I'm like, well, you're never going to get it right. You know, we're here to create, we're here to do, we're here to express, and we never know how many more days we've got on the planet. So, Mm. you know, I'm a big believer in as much as you can just push through and just try things. Beautiful. Um, So good. My last, my last question is on your, your partner and how you, I just think it's so beautiful. The, not only, you know, romantic partnership, but it's creative. I'm sure it's spiritual, just kind of all of the layers of that. I'd love to know, you know, what you've learned about yourself in being in that very multidimensional type partnership. Yeah. So Stephen and I both kind of manifested each other. Like we were both separately working unbeknownst to each other with like manifesting a, a kind of, a kind of whole partnership. And we met uh, five and a bit years ago now, five years, three months ago. And we've been married for uh, three years next month. And um, it's been, for me, it was a really profound, it was really profound meeting him. And I knew like within a week, I, I remember going, oh, okay, this is, this is on. But there was, without all the kind of usual fantasy, romantic, it was, it was just like, oh no, this this is on. This is serious. But then I actually, um, it was great because it made me go to therapy. And I hadn't had mm. traditional therapy at that point, even though I had friends who were therapists. But what I noticed was as I started to allow a very new level of presence and f- from him toward me and from me toward him into my life, I had some stuff to clean up. And I found it intense. Like, you know, uh, so what I did was I, I found this great therapist. And um, it, I spent about a year, first year and a half we were together, really working on cleaning up some of my past bruises from past relationships. Um, and that really helped me to kind of start with him. But it's, it's really great. We're very, it's weird. He's the least enmeshed I think I've ever been with a partner. And that's the best like, you know, it really, it, it's so funny because for so many years, you know, there, I remember getting enmeshed with people and the highs and the lows. And, and also I think sometimes there's that spiritual idea of, oh, we're just going to be entwined. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think either of us really want that. Like we're, you know, we're, we, we retain our independence and even in the work we do, we work together, but we also work individually and it, it just works. But definitely him being an artist and a creative was a real gift because we both know what that's like. Um, and I had a couple of relationships where I think it, you know, we were different and that didn't always help. So, um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been, it's been really, yeah, it's been the most important relationship of my life without question. And I think it really changed my life Mm. meeting him and grounding with him. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you. you for this, for your time and just for your work. Um, I know yeah, this, this will be so a really impactful conversation for our community. Yeah, you um, you also are such an expander for me in the way you speak. Every word is like so potent and it's like, there's no word that's amiss. It's it's so powerful, you know, to hear you just be so precise with your words and none of them ever have charge. I noticed that too with your community and, and your work. I'm like, oh, there's no one receiving of any charge or any shadow from anything because everything's so precise and just 
clear. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we're just really thankful for you and thankful you could come on our community. I'm sure if they're not fans already are, you know, now fans. So we're just in deep gratitude. Well, thank you. And it was so it was so lovely to get the Instagram message from you guys. <laughs> I, I think I said I'd yeah. not heard of you guys before, yeah. but I think what you're doing is fantastic. And um, and I also know I know what it takes to do something like this. All the behind the scenes kind of, you know, I the finished product <laughs> is one thing. But you know, I've I've been doing this for 16 years and sure the tools are better now, but I also know, you know, just holding it down energetically and psychically when you yeah have a following around what you're doing and all the work that goes into it. So kudos. And I really love you do it together. I think mm-hmm. that's really, that's really, really nice. It's really, mm-hmm. uh, it's refreshing and it's important. So thank oh, you. Thank you. Great questions, by the way. Oh, thanks. We thank try. you. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you so much, Lee. <laughs> we'll see Lee. you soon, Lee. Have a beautiful Take day. Care. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Lee. LeeHarrisEnergy.com. And you can find all of his videos on YouTube. You can actually find this interview in video on YouTube and all of our other interviews in video on YouTube as well. Yeah. And we just want to thank our sponsors uh, for this episode. As always, the brands that we work with, we use ourselves, we believe in, and are just really honored to share them with you all. Today's sponsors are BTR Bars, FX Chocolate, for Sigmatic and Woo More Play. You can find all discount codes in our show notes as well as on our website, almost30.com. Scroll down and click on partners. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We have episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. So make sure you subscribe so it's in your inbox and we will see you on the next one. We'll see you soon. Almost30.com, Almost30 podcast on Instagram and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.